0: listening to Hope for Today Church podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. I invite you to turn to Second uh, Samuel and, um, you, you know, we're going to, really the goal here today is to um, wrap up where we have been in a miniature series, I guess, on uh, worship and praise so that we can then lean into the Christmas season together with Advent and and looking to all of that goodness. But first today, we're going to delve right into the richest of Scripture and explore the Excuse me, the passages that illuminate the essence of our faith, the the depth of God's love, and the blessing of his presence in our life. How many believe that because of his presence, everything can change? In his presence, everything can change. In fact, people are saved before a word is even preached here today that he can transform and move in your very life before I say a single word. For the moment that even the guitar is strong or the, the cymbals are, are, are hit in the presence of God, that He can move and life transformation is possible. Amen. And so in 2 Samuel, that's our focus passage for today. And I believe it will help illustrate the benefit of this sacrificial praise and worship in the presence of God, and of course, time permitting, we'll refer to the encouragement and wisdom of other relative passage passages and verses, and I believe as we walk out of here today, we will understand the reality of loss in our choices, but along with the hope of life transformation that's realized through a heart of worship Heart of worship and praise before our loving and mighty God. And so, as we look to scripture together, I would encourage, you, as we did in the time of worship, to embrace the Spirit of God who desires to speak to each one of us here this afternoon as we humble ourselves before Him. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would breathe life into us today. Breathe on us. Move. You are free to move within our hearts. Lord Jesus, as we look to the word that is living and active, we trust that you are working and are administrating in all of our steps. As we look to the word, may we glean the insights and the lessons that are to be had and that we will become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning in verse 11, and we're going to kind of begin midway of the story and we'll, we'll work our way back. But in, in 2 Samuel 6, 11, it's talking about David is moving the ark of God, which symbolizes his very presence and power, back to Jerusalem. And it says, The ark of the Lord remained in his house three months, and the Lord blessed Obadiah and his whole family, And it was reported to King David, the Lord has blessed Obedeeb's family and all that belongs to him because the ark of God. So David went and had the ark of God brought up from Obedeeb's house to the city of David with rejoicing. Don't forget that part. With rejoicing. And when those carrying the ark of the Lord advanced six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened calf. David was dancing with all his might before the Lord, wearing a linen ephod. He and the whole house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of the ram's horn. And as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Saul's daughter, Michelle looked down from the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent of David and had pitched for it. That David offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings in the Lord's presence. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of Armies. And then he distributed a loaf of bread and a date cake and a raisin cake to each one, the entire Israelite community, both men and women. And all the people went home. And when David returned to bless his household, Saul's daughter, Michelle, came out to meet him. How? The king of Israel honored himself today, she said. He exposed himself today in the sight of the slave girls of his subjects like a vulgar person would expose himself. And David replied to her, It was before the Lord who chose me over your father and his whole family to appoint me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will dance before the Lord, and I will dishonor myself and humble myself even more. However, by the slave girls you spoke about, I will be honored. And Saul's daughter, Michelle had no children to the day of her death. There's so many different places that we could go in regards to this passage, but for the sake of time and and the goal here this afternoon is that we are not supposed to operate from a place of worship depending on what people say and how we're supposed to engage in worship of how we are to conduct or what they think is fitting and right in their own eyes. Now we know that Saul's daughter had a bone to pick with David because essentially he was king following her very father who was once the anointed one of Israel, but because of missteps was removed from his place of kingship and David took his place. And so in many respects there was a a harborness of bitterness there. But that's not where I want us to park here today. We look in verse 17. It says, They brought the ark of the Lord, set it in its place inside the tent David had pitched for it, and he danced and he rejoiced as they returned the ark of covenant to Jerusalem. In fact, it shows us here in the beginning of the chapter that David and the whole household danced before the Lord. In the opening part of the chapter, it says that they worshiped the Lord with, with tambourines and, and lyres and all kinds of wood instruments. Meaning it wasn't that those instruments were somehow fit and holy. It was the fact that they used whatever was at their, you know, near them to use in a place of worship. It was a joyous, worshipful time because the ark representing the very presence of God and power among his people was returning to Israel, returning to his people after a 20-year-long wait. Could you imagine for a moment waiting 20 years to meet in the presence of God Again, now sometimes you might feel like that you come into the place and every gathering can be a little bit different. I've been to gatherings and places where some will say, wow, the Lord, could you sense his presence Say It was so tangible. And then you look to the person to the left and say, yeah, it was all right. There's different times and places. And, and I'm so thankful for what we can enjoy here and now because we're united in Christ. Because here in this time, in this season, the people of God had missed out on his presence because of steps they had taken. It says in Samuel 7, 2, the time went by, the 20 years since the ark had been amongst them and the whole house of Israel longed for the Lord. Don't forget about that word for a moment longed the whole household longed for the Lord there's something beautiful that happens when we long for the presence of God and they knew the very promise that God declared to them through Moses in Exodus 25 who God said to them I will meet you there above the mercy seat between the two cherubim that over the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you from there about all that I command you. And now this generation had now experienced what it was like to not have the presence of God amongst them and so they were deeply longing and now their longing was being fulfilled and so they had much praise and worship to give before the Lord and remember, the presence of God was only there above the mercy seat. It was in a specific time and place, unlike today. Everywhere that you go, where you're situated, you are in his presence. He is with you, that we have this just awesome opportunity, if I can even emphasize it enough, of this special arrangement, if you will, that we enjoy. And yet at times we kind of sit on our hands. There's times where we can go to events and we can admire and even praise what we see even people and amazing feats but when it comes to the king of kings and the lord of lords do we worship and praise him for the worship that he so deserves this is the image that i was seeing and and reading through this passage and we see here with david it's easy to give praise when things are going as expected isn't it It's a much easier thing. But how does our worship and our praise alter when we face adversity? What happens when we face that adversity? Do we become angry, fearful, maybe even seeking to remove ourselves from the glory of God's presence altogether? Have you ever been there? God knows I have been where I've been, you know, upset and and frustrated, and way things were going, and and you know I didn't want to make time. In the presence of God, he would prompt me and, and, and there for me. And here we see that David declared in Psalm 139, verse 7, where can I go to escape your spirit, Lord? Where can I flee from your presence? And he goes on saying, no matter where he goes, to the, whether it was the depths of the seas or the eastern horizon, the very limits of the land, he says in verse 10, even there, your hand will lead me. Even there you will hold on to me. Essentially, wherever I go, you are with me. God is always present. His spirit is ready to meet with you right now. God doesn't change, does he? The word says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it must be us. Do we long for his presence? Do we reach out and worship and praise before the Lord only when things go as expected? So we see here, David, he's moving the Ark of the Covenant in the midst of this great worship event. I mean, this is a worship event above all their worship events at this point in time. And David and those with him in that moment faced a terrible Ordeal. If you know the story, it challenged them to the very core of their faith as it would any of us that imagine the middle of our worship service, like here today. John's leading out, he's giving it his all over here. Is this thing off good? And he's giving it all, and then all of a sudden, someone falls down dead. Boom! How would you respond? Now I'm not speaking that over anyone. No, the Lord hasn't said to me that that's gonna happen today so you can breathe a sigh of relief, okay? But here in the passage, this is what happened to David and his company as they were bringing the ark to Jerusalem. And so it served as this incredible, teachable moment of a timeless principle of showing respect for God and his holiness and his presence and to worship him even when you don't want to. We've all been in that place. Look at here in the beginning or the top of chapter 6. It says, David again assembled all the fit young men in Israel. There were about 30,000. He and all his troops set out to bring the ark of God. The ark bears the name of the Lord of armies who is enthroned beha- between the cherubim. They set the ark of God on a new cart and transport it from Abinadab's house, which was on the hill. And Uzziah and Aho, son of Abinadab, were guiding the cart and brought it with the ark of God from Abinadab's house on the hill. And Aho walked in front of the ark. And David and the whole house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all kinds of wood instruments and lyres, harps, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. And when they came to Nakan's threshing floor, Uzziah reached out to the ark of God and took a hold of it because the oxen had stumbled. Then the Lord's anger burned against him and God struck him down on the spot for his irreverence. And he died there next to the ark. So David was angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzziah. So he named that place outburst against him as it is today. And David feared the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? Can you imagine, like really... (laughs) You know, all the, the matters we face in life, the array of challenges. I have never experienced a scene or situation like this, but you don't have to be a member of God's family, a member of the Christian faith to know that what we endure reveals not only is what is in our heart, but that testing in time under pressure, if you will, builds character. It says in James 1 3 to 4, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. And I still appreciate this passage of Scripture in relation to this passage, because in it all, in this situation like David, when we face situations in life, we develop a greater appreciation of not only life, but the victories that are to be had in the presence of the Lord. It moves us to long for only what God can do. And it moves us to dance before him in praise no matter who is around and what is happening. Especially when we don't understand why it's happening. And so point number one is this. When you face adversity, don't stop dancing. Dancing. I was going to try and sing a song for you of a popular tune that speaks this very thing, but I'm going to save you from that today. But don't stop dancing. Here we see David and his company. They were at a crossroads because of the loss that they had incurred, and they would need to make a choice before the presence of God. Remember that correlation, the ark represents, symbolizes the very presence of God. And so with David saying, he became fearful and angry. He was doing so before the presence of God. Now I would love to say, as many of you would, that their initial response was exemplary. And when Uzziah fell on the ground, they began to call out to the Lord with a sacrifice of praise and dance before him and saying, Lord, we don't understand what has happened. What are you trying to show us? Instead, David hardened his heart, became angry, became fearful because the sting of that loss began to hold them back. The sting began to hold them back. And so it's good for us to take a step back when we face situations. And it's good to ask how we can benefit from that experience. And when we look at this situation we can ask, how did this happen? How did this happen? To make a long story short, the backstory of this encounter was at one point the Israelites were going to battle with the Philistines amongst all the enemies they seemed to always go toe-to-toe with. Many times it was the Philistines. And at one point, the Israelites became prideful to the extent that they, uh, by a misguided attempt in order to secure victory, they brought the Ark of the Covenant with them into battle when God did not tell them to do so. They went into a place of battle that God was not leading them in. They did not inquire of the Lord. That was typically the custom. And so they decided upon themselves in First Samuel 4 that they sought it as good to bring the ark into the battle and that they would win the day. It says in 1 Samuel 4:3, when the troops returned to the camp, the elders of Israel asked, why did the Lord defeat us today before the Philistines? you can just imagine, they're really confused. I mean, we have the Ark of the Covenant, God's very presence. How could they defeat us? I know. Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant from Shiloh. Then it will go with us and save us from our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh to bring back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of armies who was enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord entered the camp, all the Israelites raised such a loud shout that shook the ground. Now it's wonderful that they were down on themselves for a moment when the Ark entered the scene. The positive in that is they were you know, regaining hope and they began to praise and began to shout that the ground rumbled. But they were about to learn an important lesson. They could not presume that they could move God into places he was not willing to to take them. They did not inquire of the Lord and they showed disrespect. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. In many respects, they were, they were careless with the ark, and the result of their choices would seem good to them in conjunction with what God was already planning to do, because the wicked house of Israel that w- wicked house of Eli that was in their midst, to make that long story short, the Philistines captured the ark that signified a significant loss and a humiliation for all of Israel. They really thought, they really presumed. Again, that they could bring God into places he was not willing to go. But they weren't the only ones making a mistake that day. If you continue reading on that part of, of 1 Samuel, it shows that the Philistines perhaps thought that they could take the ark and wield his power like an Indiana Jones film. They could somehow, they could just get the ark, you know? Hitler's going for the ark in the film, and they're thinking they can wield this power of God. At the very least, they thought, well, we could move the ark as a spoil of war and and put in the place of our God, Dagon, and put the God of Israel before submission before our God. The story goes on to show not only were they wrong and God would deal with them and, and strike them with all different kinds of affliction to make them return the ark, but when they put the ark before their so-called God, their their God crumbled breaking up to the point that it was always bowing before the ark. So they couldn't wield its power. They made the same mistake. In the midst of it all, the Philistines had gathered themselves, had defeated the Israelites, and had taken the ark. And so here we see in this chapter that now David, by inquiring of the Lord, has now been said that you can go against the Philistines and that I am with you and you can gather the ark. There's something to be said that when we inquire of the Lord first, before we do anything. He deserves that, that worship and our praise and I couldn't help... Um, be drawn to the very important lesson. I've said it a few times, and I just, I couldn't get it out of my spirit, Ron, that it was like an image of what's happening in today's church context, not everywhere, but in a lot of places where we've presumed to force God's will and affirmation into things that he has never affirmed in his life. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can rest assured that one day he's coming back. And that's why when Jesus said, there'll be those who will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? He's going to say, away from me, for I never knew you. When we presume to move him into places that are against his will, God sees he's not a fool. And so scripture encourages us to, to worship the Lord, to inquire of him, to let God be true. No matter how much peer support you gather or the noise you make, the Israelites, they gathered themselves together. The ground was shaking and they thought, you know what? If this seems good to us. Let, let's do it. But they found out very quickly that the Lord's will, that his purposes would Prevail. So flash forward 20 years, David and his men are returning the ark. He is king. He's been longing for this as the people of God have been longing for this. They've exercised victory over the Philistines with the Lord's very blessing. And so they're dancing, they're praising. But then again, someone presumes that they can move in a way that God never said to move. And so my point number two is this. Genuine longing for the Lord will bring us into alignment with his will. Genuine longing for the Lord will bring us into alignment with his will. And so before this encounter ever happened, in 2 Samuel 5, 19, it says this, David inquired of the Lord, should I attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David, attack, for I will certainly hand them over to you. Alignment is where the blessing of the Lord will manifest. When we are aligned with his will, we will encounter his blessing in our life. That's the truth of the word. We're told in Proverbs 10, 6, blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Deuteronomy 28, 8, the Lord will grant you a blessing on your barns and on everything you do. He will bless you in the land the Lord your God has given you. Because that comes from a place of alignment. And so in their excitement, there was this incident occurred and Uzziah presumed that he could reach out. I mean, you could look at it and say, well, poor guy, he was just trying to help. And really, in many respects, you could put yourself in this situation. A lot of times we're trying to help. We're trying to, you know, we have good intentions. But why would God, who loves us so much, do such a thing? Well, the first thing we can see here, the very first issue was, there was a new cart involved. And say, well, what's, what's, what's the big deal? I mean, they put it on the cart. They're bringing it through. It's a celebration. The cart was never part of God's instructions for them in the first place. The Philistines set that precedent. They made a cart and fashioned a cart to carry the ark. In fact, by the word of God, it said that they were to carry the ark through these rings with poles, and the Levites would carry the ark wherever they would go. They were the caretakers of the ark. That was their role. That was their purpose. And so Levi, you've probably guessed it, he was not a Levite. Uriah Uriah, sorry, was not a Levite. That wasn't his role. That wasn't his place. And so he presumed that he could step out in such a way says, when well, the oxen stumbled, he stepped in. There's times when we, we forget our place, when we forget what the Lord has called us to, that we can, we can cause damage, so to speak, when we move into places that he would not have us Have you ever been there, where you right intentions, and but you go and move where the Lord has not uh, spoke to you to move, and in places that you should not go. And so here we see um, Uzziah is experiencing this firsthand. In fact, he loses life because of what has happened, this, this matter of irreverence and, and disobedience because of the, the choice that he made. Again, illustrating for us, we cannot presume that we can carry the Lord or stretch out into a place that God would not have us go. But just like with David, it illustrates for us today this importance of respecting God's holiness here and now. This is a place in today's world and time where I think it's a place that we've, we've missed out on where we've downplayed him in our very life. We downplayed the very presence of his holiness, and we seek to put him to affirm the things that should not be affirmed. But the word of God says of Jesus in John 1, 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And that light came into the world, so everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness." John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to him and said, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Sometimes the Lord's gonna call you to things in places that you don't wanna go. In fact, you're gonna reach out for things that the Lord hasn't called you to. Why encounter loss and consequence that's unnecessary? just by inquiring of the Lord in all your steps. The word says, a person's heart plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. The Lord determines his steps. So as we come to a time of close, I want to give you the opportunity, as you ponder on these words of scripture to allow you as the Spirit leads you to fill in the blanks of all the areas that this wisdom of Scripture speaks into. I mean, the great thing is this instant not only speaks to the sovereignty and power of God's presence in our life, but shows us nothing is impossible for him as he teaches us his reverence, his holiness, his unparalleled, unparalleled love for us. And so we see here point number three, as worship team comes, as a result of what happened, David shows us to dance. He shows us to rejoice no matter what you face. Sure, first he started off in a place of anger and fear, but then he was able to get his head on straight, so to speak, and he began to dance. He began to leap because the presence of God was in his midst and he no longer cared about what other people were presuming in ways that he should act and conduct himself. What mattered that he wanted to honor and worship the Lord with his very life. And so I wrote here in my notes, don't stop at what is seen on the surface. Don't stop at what is seen on the surface. You might say here, well, David's initial reluctance to bring the ark to Jerusalem, it could be seen as a mixture of respect and reverence for the ark. But as you look deeper, the greater lesson is not the sacred vessel, which we've created a lot of sacred vessels in life, But here it's symbolizing not just the presence of God, the very presence of God himself and how we glorify his name. So think about this. You and I are the temple of the living God. He dwells in us by the power of his spirit. And so as you inquire of him, he's gonna lead you in the places that he would have you go. He will never affirm anything that goes against his will and good purpose. Not once, not ever. Not once, not ever. This is something I had to keep telling myself because you want to get on in the presence of the people. But here, this encounter with Saul's daughter, David showing us the importance at one point in time when you dance and rejoice for the Lord, you have to make a choice. Who am I dancing for? Who am I rejoicing for? So invite the Spirit of the Lord as as the team begins to play and and fosters an atmosphere of worship to allow the Spirit of God to counsel your heart this afternoon that even when you're embarrassed of maybe loss or things aren't going as you thought they would, don't seek to hide away, but rather say, Lord, what do you desire to show me in this circumstance? I believe you're moving. I believe you have not casted me out from your presence. Because the main difference here in this story to today, it says that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. That in him, you've passed from death to life. So we are not like Uzziah, worrying, is the Lord gonna strike me down if I make a misstep? But you can be encouraged that he's gonna move. He's gonna be faithful to his word. And so all we have to do is dance. I wish I was a good dancer because i begin the happy feet going. But sometimes, David's showing us, when things are going awry, you've encountered loss, maybe encountered sit back, sometimes the best thing we can do is just let go, let God, and dance in it. And as you begin, guess what's happening? You're fostering the sense of joy. You're fostering the sense of sacrificial praise. I don't understand what's happening, but Lord, I know you're moving. That you're speaking. You're always speaking. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, Now we have this treasure and clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not for us. In this physical vessel of this time, this gift of time and season we have in life, he's working in you, he's moving in you. So would you praise his name? Would you praise his name as I came here today? I said, Lord, how do I say this? I mean, this message is rough. I mean, I hope people understand that I'm I'm sharing it from a place of love in my heart. He said, you speak the word and I'm going to move. I'm going to fill them with my very presence and the place will never be the same. But the people have to want to praise my name. I can't force it. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just come before the Lord right now as we enter in this time of worship together. Lord, move in our hearts. Jesus, you're welcome in this place. the prompt in the spirit he's trying to take you on a new path he's trying to awaken if you will something new in your life maybe it's an area of stretch forth hands maybe that's really uncomfortable for you but it's very symbolic like that of the ark that when we raise our hands to god we're saying god you are lord above all and i give you my life that's why we raise our hands you hold my very life until the silver cord is cut. The word says, I am in your hands. My very life, you breathe life into my very soul. So whatever the Lord's prompt on your heart is, the team leads us, I encourage you to do that very thing. Amen. Let's worship them together.
1: i yes. Buddy, buddy.